Hello and welcome to Will, Will We, we make, make It Out Alive? I'm Amy, the poop detective. And I'm Jen, the magical mapper. Welcome to episode 10, Keeping Your Head Above Water. Mm. In this episode, we will share a story about how we kayaked into our own urine, mm. discuss the Beaches movie, Marine Water Monitoring Program, and oh. how to keep poop out of your swimming holes. The Magical Mapper will share more about templates, but this time for styles and stuff. And we'll highlight the Clean Marina program. So, to be clear, we're not discussing the Beaches movie? Correct. But you are the wind beneath my wings. Oh. Don't tell Sarah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we begin, tomorrow, June 5th, is World Environment Day. Woo! So this year's theme is beet air pollution and some things that you can do to celebrate and that's from like the sugar beets right because those things are super stinky no it's how to like beat it into submission or non-existence wow sounds kind of violent yeah well some things you can do to celebrate include planting trees cleaning up trash or biking to work um we'll provide links on our website with more information Mm. well to dive right in today As some of you may know, but I have a little bit of a public health background. And part of my interest in that work is because I love water, especially recreating in it. But not drinking it. Unless it has fizzies, and I still love it. But unfortunately, with the knowledge that I've gained through this work, it also makes me aware of the many unseeable hazards associated with swimming in open water. Mm. This becomes quite clear typically when I travel abroad and have less than ideal sanitation situations. Mm. Several of my favorite stories involve where I just have to like shut off my public health brain in order to enjoy the water activity. And I have a couple of these stories from my trips to Thailand. This one time, Jen and I had booked a mangrove kayaking trip. We already had to delay the activity a day because we were still recovering from butt pee. If you want to hear more about butt pee and who doesn't, you have to listen to episode (laughs) seven, Poop Happens. So yeah, I was already a little jaded about the lack of appropriate sanitation practices in Thailand, which had just led to me and Jen both getting sick. No fun. So we were staying in Rayleigh Beach, which is this little peninsula only accessible by boat. And when we arrived in the mangroves, it was, I don't know, maybe like an hour later or something. Mm, Yeah. They had suggested that we all use the restrooms prior to getting in the kayaks, which I was totally happy that they were suggesting that. We walked out onto this elevated walkway towards the kayak launching structure and were showed the restrooms. They were also elevated above the mangrove wetland area below. I entered the restroom, and it was my first squatty potty. Mine too. Now, some of you might be thinking of those weird footstools with the unicorn poop, but these squatty potties are the originals, where they're kind of like a flattish porcelain structure in the ground with two kind of foot-molded spots where your feet go, and then a bowl, and you kind of stand over the toilet and squat a little. And then there was like a bucket of water with the ladle that you would use to pour water over the bowl when you were done. I was kind of excited to get to see one of these as I had heard about them, but so far we'd only experienced Western toilets during our visit. Maybe sometimes with a bidet. I'd certainly seen that. Oh, lots of bidets. But unfortunately, 
Uh, the elevated toilet built over the water also drained directly to that water. Like, no treatment, just straight down into the water below. Mm. So while I peed, I have no idea what everyone else was doing there. And I certainly know just two days before that, um, I had butt pee. So mm. it's it's a thing that certainly can happen there. Right. So we leave the bathroom and kind of continue down the walkway. It, it kind of went down closer to the water. We weren't quite as elevated. And then we, I think of the... The structure that we launched the kayaks from or launched uh, into the kayaks was actually floating on the water, I think. I think I think you're right. So we get down there and the kayaks are those sit on top kayaks where there's like holes to the water below. So basically your lower body is mostly wet the entire time you're in the kayak. So when I see the kayaks after just using the restroom, my stomach sank a little bit. I did not want to sit in human waste and kayak around. I joked with Jen about not going for several minutes before finally being able to convince myself to get into the kayak. I mean, I was going to go either way. Jen's like, I'll sit and poop. I don't care. Her butt pee wasn't as bad as mine. So basically to get into the water, I just had to shut my public health brain off and connect to my love of water and seeing cool stuff. And we did get to see some cool stuff. We saw Muddy Mud Skippers which were actually up on the beach. Uh, We went through several caves where we got to like kayak through them and it was Mm -hmm. kind of like not very high above our heads, really. Super cool. Uh, We saw a monkey. We got out of the kayaks and explored a land cave that has paintings in it that are estimated to be 3,000 years old. Super cool. Including, like there's quite a few images in there, but one of them is a red hand with six fingers. Do, Mm. do, 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 do. Thankfully, we did not get sick from our kayaking experience, and we got to see some cool things. But sometimes having a public health brain can be a real burden for the fun brain. Glad I don't have that problem, unless public health brain Amy's with me. (laughs) Uh, So as you just heard, Amy is scared of poopy water, but also of missing out on adventure. So, outside of the gross factor, why am I so worried about poop or other pollution in the water? Well, poop specifically can carry bugs, which can make us ill. And as my boyfriend so dad jokedly pointed out, yeah, that's a word, (laughs) there are bugs that can carry poop, too. Dung beetles. Oh, yeah. And once some of those poop bugs, not the bugs that carry poop, but the bugs in our poop, get into the water, they may be able to survive and continue to make people sick. Ew. In science terms, we're talking about viruses, pathogens, and parasites. We have certainly talked about poop on this podcast before, but I just wanted to provide a little refresher. (laughs) With the nice weather here, we thought we would raise awareness related to resources for you to have a healthy and safe trip to the beach what to watch out for, where to find resources, and what you can do to be a good steward of the beach. Wait, do cats even swim around here? I mean, it rarely gets above 80 degrees. Well, many of you may think that the salt water of Puget Sound or the outer coast is too cold. Yes. But for those of us that get a hankering for water anytime it gets above about 75 degrees, there are some warmer places that you can find to swim. Hmm. Oftentimes, it will be a specific shallow bay where the water stays warmer than the surrounding areas. Lower Hood Canal, for example, like Tawana State Park, can be quite warm for swimming in the summer. Sometimes the water will even be warmer than in Lake Cushman. Really? Well, whack fact, the top 10 feet of the water's surface holds as much heat as the Earth's atmosphere. 
What does that even mean, Jen? That's why the shallow bays are warmer. Mm. Now I understand. <laughs> the last thing that someone wants to worry about when headed to the beach is whether or not they're going to get sick or get a nasty rash. Ew, yeah. What do we have to worry about when swimming in the water? Waterborne illnesses are typically transmitted through untreated human or animal waste. Ew. Um, where they're shedding viruses or pathogens and making people sick. This can include things that are really scary and not such a big deal here necessarily anymore, such as typhoid fever and cholera. But things that you might hear about more closer to home are like Giardia, Cryptosporidium, E. coli 0157, norovirus, which we also talked about in the Poop Happens episode. Yeah. <laughs> Most of those uh, last few cause the butt pee. Ooh. Whack fact. A mouthful of seawater contains millions of bacterial cells and thousands of phytoplankton and zooplankton. Mm. And if those bacteria are from a bum... Bad mm, news bears. Just one mouthful. <laughs> so how are these waterborne illnesses spread? So... Lakes, rivers, and the Salish Sea can become contaminated by untreated runoff from agricultural sites, sewage overflows, mm. or stormwater runoff events. It's best to avoid the water anytime it rains and probably for a day or two afterwards, especially if the water that you're going into is getting runoff from urban areas or mm. you're in an urban area, basically. Right. They can also be caused when a sick person is in or near the water. Even a speck of poop from a sick person can contain millions of viral or bacterial cells. So swimming while ill can easily result in contaminating the water, even if the person doesn't have an accident in the water. Wait, what? I've heard a great statistic that the average person has like point four grams of feces on their body at any given time just because of improper wiping technique (gasps) and poor sanitation like showering oh that's gross i'm never swimming again so and then people can get these illnesses by recreating in the water and either swallowing inhaling a mist or coming in contact with the contaminated water The moral of this story is that you should not recreate in the water if you are ill or if you're just getting over being ill. Yeah, don't do that. What are the symptoms? So the most common symptoms include vomiting and butt pee, stomach cramps, loss of appetite, and fever. But they can also include skin, ear, eye, respiratory, or neurological symptoms. You definitely, swimmer's itch is like a rash that people can get. I got a super sweet hot tub rash Mm -hmm. uh, one time. So, yeah, you can actually get stuff in pools and hot tubs also that are that you wouldn't find out in the natural environment. So how can cool cats avoid getting sick? I really want to know this. Okay, so first, there are some actions that you can personally take to avoid spreading these illnesses. Like I was just saying, don't go to the beach or the pool or the hot tub if you've been sick, especially if you've been vomiting or have butt pee. Ew. Then, once you get there, this is why people are supposed to shower before swimming and then you shower again after swimming. So you shower before you get in to help clean your body of any contaminants before you get into the water. And then you shower when you get out to help clean the water's contaminants off of your body. Interesting. Which, you know, most people, including myself, do not do very (laughs) regularly. Nothing. Um, 
So, but that's a good reminder that that is why that is an important thing to do. Hmm. I, I always wondered why they wanted you to do that. Yeah. Now I get it. And it, I mean, it's it, there is it's unfortunate that they don't have a little bit more education, education on mm-hmm. the why of that because, and then right. they don't really enforce it in most places either. So mm-hmm. it's like they're not very strict on it, but you don't know that it's adding to the potential for you to get sick. Right. You know, try to avoid swallowing any water. I love swimming underwater. I have a big problem where I like to open up my eyes underwater and Mm -hmm. I have to try to control myself without goggles from doing that because same thing, you can get stuff Mm. that goes, that passes through the membranes of your eyes, nose, mouth, and other places. Nope, nope. (laughs) Also, don't forget to wash your hands after using the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Hopefully most people do that in this day and age, but that's... Hopefully everyone does that. You know, very important. If you do get sick at the beach, you can also self-report your illness on the Surfrider crowdsource webpage, Sick at the Beach, link in our show notes. <laughs> they describe it as a crowdsourced collection of self-reported beach pollution sicknesses. So they're just trying to kind of collect information to see where people are getting sick. It helps them identify an outbreak. Mm. Um, they also do recommend that you report to your local health department if you think you've gotten sick from surface water oh. or or a pool for that matter. Right. You know, and then also when you're at the beach, be a beach steward. Do your part to help maintain and protect our public beach access sites. Leave the sites cleaner than you find them. You know, pay attention to the toilets. Like actually get your pee in the toilet. Yeah. Guys. And poop too, maybe. And like, poop. Not yeah. all over the outside, Ew. and then or the, the the cleaner people are like, I don't know, just rinsing that down. I don't know where that goes, especially if you're at like a porta potty or something. Mm-hmm. Just goes outside, <laughs> poop runoff. And if you do see something spilled in the water or that looks like some kind of pollution at a beach in Washington, you can follow up with the Department of Ecology's spill response line. We'll have their phone number in our show notes because no, they don't have an online reporting form. Ugh. Rude. Cat fact. Did you know that in 1963, some like wacky French scientists used a rocket to launch the first cat into space? Hmm. So the, the cat's name was Felicette. Felicette. Felicette? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not French. But she actually made it safely back to the ground following a parachute landing. Do not ask me how in the world this happened, because I have no idea. Fascinating. Right? If only she could tell the tales right? of her journey. Exactly. Jen, but did you know that we can also see real-time monitoring results from local monitoring programs? Wait, no? Really? Wait, like, are there maps? Some of them have <gasps> maps. Oh some God. of them have things that probably could use some help uh, from you. Tell me more. Specifically. Tell me more. Okay, so these resources also help you stay safe and healthy when you're at the beach. Mm-hmm. So before you head out to your favorite beach, check out some of the local monitoring program websites to make sure the beach is safe for swimming. Unfortunately, um, mostly due to lack of funding, not all water bodies are monitored and many sites are only monitored for a period of the year, not for the entire year. Hmm. But many of these programs do provide real-time data to citizens to alert on potential risks or beach closures due to pollution. There are numerous programs that perform regular monitoring that help citizens make better informed decisions about the pollution risks associated with their swimming beaches. Hmm. 
That's nice. This includes statewide beach monitoring programs in Washington and Oregon. And even British Columbia has some beach monitoring programs mostly focused in the greater Vancouver and Victoria areas. Links in our show notes. Mostly swimming-related monitoring programs in the Pacific Northwest are focused on sampling between Memorial Day and Labor Day, which Mm -hmm. is more or less the typical time when it's probably going to be warm enough for swimming, except this Mm -hmm. year when it was warm enough at the beginning of May. yeah. The beach program is actually a national program, Hmm. and according to the Beachopedia website, which is a (laughs) sub-website of the Surfrider Foundation, um, the beach... Programs were started through federal dollars and the Beaches Environmental Assessment and Coastal Health Act, Beach Act, signed into law on October 10, 2000. It incorporated provisions intended to reduce the risk of illness to users of the nation's recreational waters. Hmm. And it basically, it gave them some seed money to start these programs. But of course, the permanent funding for these programs has basically been under fire since the inception of the program. Mm. The beach monitoring programs each produce a proposed list of monitoring locations, and the public is invited to provide input on the selection of monitoring sites. I think it's biannually or every other year. Mm-hmm. The Washington program is focused on saltwater swimming beaches, and you can get updates through their blog, Fecal Matters. Yeah, I'm <laughs> super jealous of their blog title. <laughs> yeah. Or on their social media sites, links in our show notes. And they have a really great interactive map on their website. Hmm. The Oregon Beach Monitoring Program monitors waters along its coastline. Some, it sounds like, are fresh waters in addition to the salt water. But in Oregon, the public is guaranteed free and uninterrupted use of all beaches along the coastline. Therefore, they issue beach advisories, but not closures, which I just think is very interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. Like... Access Your to un- the beach. uninterrupted access means is, you can get sick if you want to. Right. It's more important than public health. Yeah. Fascinating. Huh. They don't have an interactive map, so you have to kind of figure what? out where the beaches are on your own. They they divide it into three areas, north, south, and mid. But yeah, their website could use a little bit of help. Hmm. And, for example, the Oregon Health Authority already issued its first health warning on May 22nd for the D River in Lincoln County, Oregon. Hmm. It was a no-contact warning issued due to elevated levels of untreated fecal waste in the water. Ooh. That's poop. <laughs> the beach has already been reopened, though, based on subsequent satisfactory monitoring results. And that's one of the nice things about these beach monitoring programs is typically they're doing weekly, biweekly, or monthly monitoring throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. There is some limitations of that because bacterial results can vary greatly from one sample to the next and certainly over the course of a week. So... Hmm. Even more monitoring would be better, but it's costly. So, mm-hmm. In addition, Surfriders also has a volunteer beach monitoring program called the Blue Water Task Force. Ooh. And they provide beach monitoring throughout the U.S. And sometimes their monitoring programs have different monitoring periods or locations than the state programs. So they're definitely worth checking out in addition to the state websites. And we'll have a link to their good interactive map um, in our show notes as well. Cool. And then there are some local jurisdictions, especially some of the larger ones or more water dense ones like King County, which also have local river or lake monitoring programs. We recommend you check with your local government website to see if they have any monitoring program results available. And sometimes these programs may expand on just the bacterial monitoring and include things like water clarity, temperature, dissolved oxygen, and other stuff. 
Interesting. Speaking of other stuff. Hmm. Freshwater harmful algal blooms. We talked pretty extensively about saltwater algal blooms in episode seven, Poop Happens. Mm -hmm. But they seem to be in the news more and more, at least in the Pacific Northwest. And these algae can be toxic to humans and especially to pets. What? And just because there's algae in the water doesn't mean that it's harmful. But without testing, you can't be certain by just looking at it. Huh. Because even the kind of algae that's toxic doesn't always have the toxic symptoms. So even if you can identify the species, you can't tell necessarily if it's toxic or not without the test. Weird. And just on May 21st, a dog died in Jefferson County, Washington, after briefly splashing in Anderson Lake, which is notorious for having toxic algae blooms. The lake itself is kind of interesting because it's pretty much undeveloped the entire way around there's a state park Mm -hmm. a lot of people a lot of times are wondering if like the increase of nutrients from development are adding to these algal blooms which the short answer is probably yes but in this particular case it's kind of like this more pristine environment but it is like always just a toxic hot spot weird so and unfortunately the lake was actually posted as closed due to the toxic algae but the pets owners they were fairly new and they didn't understand the gravity of the closure oh that's sad super sad and both washington and oregon have limited freshwater toxic algae monitoring programs which usually they release health advisories and post closures of water bodies we'll have links in our show notes uh well after that sad fact i think we need another cat fact hope it's a happy one I think it is. Did you know that approximately 200 feral cats roam the grounds of Disneyland? No. So they've been there for several years. And at first, Disneyland tried to kind of tame them and have them adopted by their staff. But then they found out that the cats are actually really good at rodent control (laughs) and better than human exterminators could be. (laughs) So they actually... Just let them, so they make sure they're all spayed and neutered, and they let them roam the grounds and live there. They provide them with medical care if they need it and some extra food. And yeah, most people never see them because they are feral, so they don't really want to be around people. Exactly, but they come out at night and help control the rodent population. That is so Except not Minnie and Mickey. They leave them alone. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Whack fact. According to a 2014 NOAA study, Orange County, California, could generate $67 million in benefits to residents in a three-month period by reducing marine debris by 50%. What? Like, how did... What? That's because tourism depends on clean beaches, and not having a clean beach can have a big economic impact on our community. Wow. Now that you have a better idea of how to have a safe beach trip, one other piece of information that, of course, you need is where's the awesome swimming hole? Mm -hmm. Jen, you want to share some of your favorite swimming spots in the Pacific Northwest? Too cold. So I love, love, love the saltwater beaches, but most of them I find are too cold. So I usually swim in lakes and rivers. Lake Limerick's a favorite. That's weird. Right. No comment. (laughs) And I've also swam in some rivers down in Oregon. There was a really awesome spot on the Umpqua River that I swam at. Yeah, just happened to stumble across it. It's amazing. We have so much water here and still all the beaches can be crazy busy, it seems like, if it's a nice day out. Yeah. 
speaking of beaches, the Washington Department of Ecology is running a campaign on Twitter and maybe other social media. I'm not sure. They're asking for people to share photos and videos of the Washington coast and the Puget Sound beaches on Twitter with the hashtag WA Beaches, so W-A Beaches, and the location of the beach. And they'll be sharing these throughout the summer on social media. And they want you to share no matter what the weather. Hmm. Muy interesante. Mm -hmm. Is it GIS time? Yes. Well, in our last episode... We talked about geodatabase templates, so I'd like to further that conversation by talking about style files and layer files in this episode. Jen, it's funny that you're going to be talking about style because I don't know if you have any. (laughs) Rude. Well, style files and layer files are like templates, but for visual aspects of your map, like symbols, colors, labels, etc., Style files are containers for symbols. These can be point, line, or polygon symbols. And the symbols can be copied from other styles or can be created from scratch. Or you can create them starting from an existing symbol and change it up to look different. These can be shared with others. So members of an organization or group can make maps that look consistent. Hmm. I used to download style files pretty frequently, but they're getting harder to find, at least for me. If you have sources of your own, please share them in the comments area on our GIS blog. Uh, One style file that I've used in the past quite a bit is the Washington Highway Symbols, and I'll include the link to the repository where you can download highway symbols for all dates on the GIS blog. So layer files are kind of similar to style files, but in that they're templates of sorts, but they're saved settings for a particular layer of data. These not only draw symbols in a particular way, but can also store definition queries. And these are sort of like data filters. They also store label settings, transparency, field aliases, and other layer settings. You can share these with others as long as they also have access to the data. I used to share layer files with my organization, particularly for our Washington Water Bodies layer, because it was kind of confusing for a lot of people. Because if you just pulled it into your map, it looked like the entire state of Washington was water. And while some of that was true, most of it was not. That's right. And people were very confused. So I filtered it with a definition query so that only actual water bodies showed. And I actually filtered it so that only lakes larger than a certain acreage showed because a lot of people didn't want to see all the tiny little specks. And I set the color properties, transparency, and label settings so that users could just pull the layer file into their map and it would be ready to go. If you want to share a layer file with someone who doesn't actually have access to the data, you can create what's called a layer package, which is a layer file that includes all of the data as well as all of the drawing settings. Very cool. I will say that I think these um, are great and important for two things, data standardization Mm -hmm. and for maintaining information when you're trying to, like talking about the water body, display something in a certain way where you have more data or different data in your data set, but the information that a particular set of people is going to be interested in at least is some subset of that. So very Mm -hmm. handy. It's also very handy just for myself because when I'm making maps, 
you know, I pull in a layer, if I want to symbolize it the same way every time, or if I need to put a definition query on it every time, I don't have to go back and redo that work every time. I can just save it as a layer file and then pull that layer file in instead. And it just saves a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Lots of benefits. So there will be more information and links to some resources in the GIS blog on our website. And I'm going to move on to our next segment now. Mm. Yeah. Instead of citizen science this time, we're going to be talking more about a stewardship opportunity. Mm. And I want to talk about the Clean Marinas program. Clean Marinas is an eco-certification program where marinas and sometimes boatyards and other boating facilities that meet all legal regulatory requirements plus a percentage of additional voluntary best practices can be rewarded for being good environmental stewards. There are programs in several U.S. states and around the globe. So Gig Harbor Marina and Boatyard is the latest in Washington to receive the Clean Marina certification, and they received it in late 2018. And they they did so by improving oil spill response, reducing improperly managing hazardous waste, and providing a free sewage pump-out service to boaters. Free sewage pump-out is an awesome idea. Right? I think they actually got some matching funds in order to make that happen. Nice. Yeah. In addition, they adopted the Clean Marina Best Management Practices and have committed to educating boaters about how to prevent oil, sewage, debris, and soap from getting into the water. Cool. All good things. Yeah. Besides providing cleaner water, benefits include fewer regulations and less costs for regulatory agencies, as well as reducing waste disposal costs for marina operators and attracting customers who will respect and follow good boating practices. Mm. They may even pay more to support certified clean marinas. Studies show that uh, marinas that are certified as clean marinas actually can charge more and make more money. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, marinas can also fly the clean marina flag, literally. Mm. Each state has their own clean marina flag. Pretty cool. Mm. And they also get free publicity. Certified marinas can use the clean marina logo in their own promotional materials. And other companies may also offer incentives or discounts to clean marinas. Cool. Mm -hmm. To become certified in Washington, there's an application process that involves filling out a questionnaire, having a site visit, and setting a one-year goal. There's no application fee. That seems like why wouldn't you want to do that? Right. Also, to be clear, keeping your head above water in this episode refers to your boat head and how you keep your sewage out of Puget Sound. Yes. What if our listeners aren't big, fancy marina owners or operators? I feel like there's probably only a few of those people out there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What should they be thinking about and what can they do to help? Well, if you're a boater or even if you live near water, you can check to see if marinas in your area are clean marina certified. (laughs) If they are, why not thank them and support them? And if not, Why not let them know about the program and help them get certified? If you're a boater, you can also read the Clean Marina Handbook in order to educate yourself about environmental best practices and follow them, even if not required by law or your local marina. Cool. So there you have it. The end of episode 10. Mm. We hope you've laughed and learned how to avoid swimming in poo this summer. (laughs) A sure way to make it out alive. Mm. In this episode, we heard about public health Amy shutting off part of her brain in order to have fun and luckily not getting sick in the process. 
why we should be concerned about swimming in poop and how we can avoid it while still having fun. And we learned about some interactive and not-so-interactive maps that can tell us which beaches are safe. Jen the Magical Mapper got into some style and layers in our GIS segment, and we talked about how the Clean Marinas program helps to better protect water quality. Please join us for our next episode where Amy and I competitively compare audit results. Mm, You got me at competitive. (laughs) It'll be fun, I promise. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. Also, we would really appreciate it if you would rate us and leave a review. You can also let us know what you think at outoflifepodcast.com or at facebook.com slash will we make it out alive. Until next time, will we make it out alive? This is Amy, the poop detective, signing off for both Jen and I. Rude. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Signing off. Rude.